0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I'm happy to have with me my my new friends, Michael and Melissa Mc- McManus. Is that the correct pronunciation, Michael? Melissa? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I guess that would probably be a good question to ask before we start recording. But no, th- I, I like the raw element of actually getting to know some of our guests on air with my listeners. So this is really, really good. And we're going to actually kind of go personal, go to the personal side of things here in just a little bit. But uh, I, we always get started with something that we call the aha moment. And this way, those who are listening in, if, if they only have time to listen in for a few minutes, they still take something away from the podcast episode. But the aha moment is very simply the biggest or hardest lesson that you may have learned as photography business owners so far. What comes to mind when you think of that?
1: I'll, I'll take this one. I would say for us, it was the realization that you have to be really selfish when it comes to your business. Uh and I'll explain that a bit. Uh early on when we got started, we focused uh doing everything for our clients and potential clients and really sacrificed a lot of, you know, what made us happiest and, and what we would prefer to do and how we'd prefer to do it. You know, we book any couple, we even use shot lists, which most people cringe when they hear that. <laughs> you know, so just everything we could and it even though it was important for us during that time because it was just kind of getting our life together and we had newborns at the time and, you know, it was a necessity. But, you know, probably I'd say like four or five years ago, we weren't fully fulfilled with what we were doing. So we, we knew we needed to change some things. And basically we just kind of took all those things we weren't happy with and just flipped them on the other side. So uh, the main things that we changed were – we only started showing and sharing work that we love to create. Uh, We started limiting how many weddings we shot each year. So before we were doing 40, 45 weddings, and then we decided, okay, let's, let's just bring that down to 35, which then kind of because of that, we raised our prices and then we had an associate as well, because then for the clients or couples who came in, who couldn't kind of have the budget for us, we would be able to kind of push that over to our associates. And then, obviously, once we hit our goal of thirty-five, we'd stop booking. And then, probably the biggest thing that we did is we started saying no to people. So, you know, if if we didn't feel that the couple was a good fit, um, or think that you know we just didn't really want to hang out with them for their wedding day, we would you know just.
2: That sounds so horrible. It
1: sounds horrible. (laughs) It it, it does, but like I totally get it. Yeah, like the reality of it is that of all the vendors uh, outside of videography, obviously, you know, we're within the whole day and. And they should want to be able to hang out with, with their photographers. And I think it should be the other way around because for us, and maybe it's because we're parents too, if if I'm going to spend time away from my kids, uh, it's going to be worth it. So I'm I'm not going to kind of take the sacrifice and go through a pain in the ass day where I'm going to be treated badly and this and that when I know I could be with my kids or I could wait for that next couple to come along. That really is a good fit.
0: Absolutely.
2: I think a lot of people, this is kind of where, you know, they mess up in a way where they just, they constantly say yes to everyone. And I mean, I don't know, Nathan, if you've ever felt or experienced the burnout. um, But when you're saying yes to things that, you know, otherwise you don't really want to say yes to, you're going to eventually get to the point where you're just, you're not fulfilled and you're not happy. So I think it's really important to follow your heart. And, you know, if you're meeting with a client and, you know, your gut's kind of telling you like, they're, they're not the right fit for you. It's okay to follow that instinct and, you know, refer them to other people that you feel would be a good fit for them. For us doing that, it is, we've been very fulfilled for the last You know, six, seven years that we've been creating and documenting weddings. I think that really helped when we change that.
0: And, I, and I'm glad that we're touching on this. This is really big because it's actually been a consistent theme on the podcast. This idea, I mean, it's, it's a cliche term in our industries, I think, are beginning to, to be, be that, which is intentionality or being intentional in the way that you build your business model and ultimately run your business. But it's so absolutely important that you, first of all, clearly define the direction that you want to go. Something that I refer to as the big picture view, but be really, really clear about that. And then that direction, Enables you to be able to filter out those things that don't fit your business model, don't fit your your life model, for that matter, and Mm -hmm. ultimately you minimize burnout. You create more freedom, more flexibility for yourselves, for your family, in this case, and um, you're just a happier business owner at the end of the day. So this is really, really important.
1: Yeah, And, and I think that people sense that. You know, like when when we're doing interviews or meetings, whatever you want to call it, with clients, there's it's so it's so much easier than it used to be and like we're not worried about booking anymore we don't we just want to make sure it's a really good fit and that we're all comfortable and we just want to have a good time and at you know worst case scenario if it's not a good fit we have a whole list of great vendors that we can send them to you know so it's there's like a lot less pressure and and that was they just thinking also and like melissa would communicate with couple before they come in and they would know that You know, if it's not a good fit, then we will not move forward with them. She said it in a much sweeter way, (laughs) which is why she does that email. uh, And most in most email, actually, for that matter. But, you know, so so people coming in, it wasn't like, oh, impress me, photographer. What do you got? You know, instead, it was just like, you know, it it was a mutual interview where we just really got to know each other. And we always dug really deep, just like what they're doing at this podcast as we start out getting to know them as humans. And then eventually, sometimes we'll end up talking about photography. Sometimes it's like the last five minutes, but it was, definitely made a huge difference in, in how we did everything.
0: And that's yeah. huge. And, and it is very reflective of this podcast. And, you know, photography is maybe what we do as a profession. It is what enables us to, to make a living. But at the end of the day, there is a lot more to life than photography and business. And uh, so I like that you point that out too. In fact, that's a perfect segue, really, into my next question, which is, tell me more about you guys, you and your family. And I have to to make this point too, because I noticed on your website and then even on um, uh, your social media accounts, Michael, you in particular, just the way that you kind of glow almost about each other, you and Melissa. Uh, I think it's really beautiful. I, I'm Thank always you. fascinated by relationships. In fact, I want to start a whole different podcast just focused on relationships. <laughs> but tell me how you guys met. I'm, I'm curious about the backstory. <laughs> well,
2: we met on, uh, you know, the old school way where people used to meet each other at the bar. Yes. At a dive bar. But no, you can tell us stories. Yeah. You tell them.
1: <laughs> so, right oh, okay, we're telling this. So we, uh, we used to work at the same company called Nutrisystem was like the weight loss company. Yeah. So I was in sales and Melissa was in counseling and my sales team was going out to celebrate one of the team members' birthdays. And, uh, we worked at three 30, the midnight shift. Uh, so it was just after midnight and I go to this little bar uh, and I'm like, I, I don't want to be there. I don't even, I didn't even drink at this time. I was like, I'm a team player. So I go and there's no one there but us. There's probably 12 of us. And I'm just like waiting to leave. So it's not inappropriate. And all of a sudden, like the, the door opens and then like Melissa comes walking through and it's, it was like a, like a slow motion, uh, <laughs> like, like, like light should have been behind lighting her up and then wind blowing her hair. But it was just like, it hit me. And I was just like, I need to talk to this, this girl. Like, she's just so beautiful. And I love it. And I, and so then, uh, I immediately started drinking.
2: So he didn't drink before he. So
0: did I, I literally started drinking. <laughs> the night I my Is there friend. a correlation there that, that should be I concerning?
1: Don't <laughs> I don't know. Everything's gotten better in my life, though, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. But yeah. So it's so then I approached her. and We started talking, hit off, and ended up closing out the bar. And then this was mm-hmm. where we have conflicting uh, views on how the night ended because I was I only had two beers, but I was buzz pretty hard <laughs> and and we were like in the parking lot and i i knew she had lived in philly which is where i lived and we were out in the burbs and i but i didn't know where i was so i was like all right goodbye have a great night a great meeting and then i like went up to her car real quick and i'm like hey can i follow you home and <laughs> she's, like, she's like uh sure that's okay i'm like i'm just i'm really nervous i'm mm-hmm. like i don't know where i'm at it's okay and i start walking back to my car and i'm like oh crap i don't have money for the toll So then I go back there and I'm like, can I borrow 65 cents for the toll?
2: (laughs) I mean, at the time I was maybe working like a $30,000 job and in sales, he was making at least a hundred thousand dollars. So I'm like, okay, this guy needs 65 cents. So like, here's Something seems
0: says. a little sketchy. Right. Yeah. And then, and
2: then he went back to his car and then he came back again for a third time. And he was like, just in case I get lost, can I have your phone number? And then I was like, okay, like he's obviously hitting on
0: me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I swear to God, I was just, I was nervous. I didn't want to get lost. I was drunk. Like I was, it's, it was bad, but. But literally, so from that point, like I used, I was on commission only, so I'd work like 12-hour days and sometimes longer. So I came in at 9 a.m. the next morning and I stalked her email, and the company email. I shot out an email. It was just like, it's so great to meet you. We talked about photography that night and I was like, hey, maybe I'll show you my portfolio.
0: <laughs> and I, and that's like, that's the line from a photographer. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's and it worked. But, you know, so I, I just, you know, just made a little email to her and then she responded and we ended up, Seeing each other that night. And then it was probably almost a year from that point that we actually spent a day apart.
2: Yeah, we just like completely hit it off. And like I moved to Philadelphia because I got out of a really bad relationship. I'm like, I'm just going to do me. I'm not going to get involved with any man. And literally, I met him on the third day that I moved down there. I'm like, Oh, seriously?
0: I I love, I love the backstories. I love the details. And, and really ultimately, even in the way that you're talking about each other now, I love the excitement about each other and it's, it's very contagious. And, and I I, kudos to you guys for that and maintaining that too, because you've been together now for how long?
2: Ten years? Uh, hundred
0: years, No, 10 years.
1: It's
2: well, a, like, Well, <laughs> 10 years, it doesn't really sound like that long. But then when you say, you know, we've been together for a decade, then it's like, wow.
0: Then it feels a little bit so different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, it's it's a wonderful example and an inspiring example. And, and I, I appreciate you sharing that backstory. And you have twins as well. Tell us about your kids.
1: Yeah. Our daughters are uh, 10 years old, mm-hmm. almost 11. Ava and Bella are their names. And they're just like sweet, creative, smart, funny just amazing little humans. And they, it's, I I believe it's because of them that, that we are who we are today. And that we've achieved so much is because they're, they're our purpose. And, and they're just, yeah, we're just soaking up everything we can with them. They're they're really
2: awesome little people.
0: That's really, really so cool. I I literally just posted something this morning about my, my son. He's 16. My daughter is 12. Um, but I, I posted today specifically about my son and and how much I continue to learn from him. Uh, and it's, it's humbling, but then exciting at the same time to look at somebody who, you know, has not even lived maybe about a third of my life. And yet Mm -hmm. he is able to set an example for uh, actually a third of my life. That, that would make me really, um, way older than (laughs) I actually am. Maybe half my life. Um, Math wasn't my
2: subject either. I got to do my math.
0: Yeah. But, but in all seriousness, it just, that I can learn from him, that he's setting, already setting a, an example for me and his discipline and his consistency and his empathy, um, is it's such a cool thing. And, and certainly, I've learned from my daughter as well. And and it's it's a, such a humbling experience, but it really feels like an adventure at the end of the day. And you know, all these people talking about how the teenage years are the nightmare years, uh, I would beg to differ. I think as long as there is a certain baseline of communication that is established as a family and your relationships with your kids. You can pretty much get through anything and it's really not that big of a deal in the end. So I, I think family is a beautiful thing. I love that you guys prioritize it. And I have to, to bring this up because it's so funny to me, but I, I noticed on one of your Instagram posts, um, a comment about how you taught your daughters how to swear. You got you to gotta tell the backstory yeah. here.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, they're going into middle school and yeah. they're going to hear about it. Oh, absolutely. They're going to hear and all their friends are going to eventually swear, probably, but if they haven't heard it already, they're going to hear it by next year.
0: For sure. And
2: so, like, we would just rather them, if they're going to swear, like, know what the meaning is behind the word. Um, <laughs> and if you're going to swear. Which swear intelligently, them, like, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, have a reason and, like, swear with passion. Like, <laughs> just Don't just throw the F-bomb down. Any chance you get, like, know what that means and why you're saying it. So yeah, so we kind of went over all the curse words with them, said them out loud, and we're like, "This is what it means." And yeah,
1: yeah. it was just we're just like, it was really weird. Yeah, they were like, you know, giggling like, yeah. oh, and yeah. and all that. And it was it was definitely weird. But I think like from the very beginning, when when they we at least we felt like they could understand us, we've always respected them equally as as each other. So we yes. never talked down to them. We always just like explain everything, explain our thoughts, apologize when we're wrong. Yes. You know, like checking in even to this, to this day, like every, probably for me, it's like every couple months. Cause we, we take turns every night, um, like laying in bed with our kids and just have conversations one-on-one. And like, I always will bring up occasionally, you know, am I, am I being a good father? You know, how yeah. am I doing? How can I do better? Like all that stuff. And I think this is just kind of an extension of that idea of like, like this is just this is part of life cursing just like alcohol and sex are going to be which let's not talk about that right now but you know
0: <laughs> but but at the same time that kind of transparency and and just honest conversation at the end of the day is so important I mean I we were very proactive with our kids at a relatively young age. In that regard. And so it just makes those kinds of conversations easier down the road. And now I've had some, you know, not just honest conversations, but really direct and frank conversations with my son in particular, but, but there's room to do that. And it doesn't create this weird, uncomfortable environment. Because, that again, that, that baseline of open lines of communication have been established. The ego is taken out of it. And you, you speak to that. I think that's so great. In fact, I describe it as, as being just a fellow human being that happens to be a little bit older than they are. Um, yeah. you know, I, I grew up in a really conservative background where there was almost this kind of patriarchy, if you will, um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see myself that way. I happen to be a little bit older than them. I have the wonderful opportunity to to be their parent, to to take care of them, to support them, to prov- to provide for their basic needs, to make sure that they feel loved. Um, but we're in this together. We're fellow human beings doing life together and we're going to learn together. I'm going to learn from them. They're going to learn from me. And when you, when you establish that kind of relationship, man, it's so cool. It's so exciting to be able to then experience life together, I think.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it comes
1: about just kind of getting through it all together and like one of my favorite things about uh, I guess becoming an adult adult you could call it uh, was realizing that most grown-ups aren't right and that like it's just not automatically what they say is what's true and you know not everyone knows what they're doing and, and I, I would still say I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just kind of yeah. finding my way sure and you just kind of like being open to our kids about that like you know
2: we're I, also figuring it out yeah
1: like I'm absolutely Like I I have no better than anyone else and and neither are they than anyone else. And just kind of keeping that perspective.
2: Yeah. And we also just want to be here, you know, for them as like a huge support system. Um, And like you said, like just having like those lines of communication always open. Um, You know, we have one life with them and we really want to make the best of that and just raise, we're raising the next generation. So we're really, you know, that's a really important job. And so we just want to raise really great Kids that will go out into the world and, you know, do good and be the best. Yeah.
1: And and, like, just like the idea of ultimately like they're like the world's a better place because they were in it. Yes. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they do. It's just that, you know, they were they were one of the good ones.
0: Absolutely. There, there couldn't really be a better, I think, summation of being a, a, a good parent than that. And um, so this is, I, love, I love being on the same page with, with our guests, especially when it comes to, to topics like this. It's, it's a beautiful example, again, for our listeners. Whether they have kids or not, at the end of the day, we're just fellow human beings trying to do this life thing together. And yeah. the, the least that we can do is is be there for each other, support each other, realize we're not better than, than the other person. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we, this is, again, it's a great example for everyone involved. So I love yeah. this. How do, how do you guys spend your free time together? What does that look like?
2: We <laughs> travel a lot. Well, we try to travel a lot. Um, we prioritize that. So that's something that's really important to us. And like just showing our kids like culture, different cultures and different ways of life. We also love to travel and just also just traveling with them. It's so cool to see, um, it in their eyes just like you know the things that they find amazing and they find interesting absolutely i think that's really and i learn a lot from that
1: for me i would say basically we just want to travel and like almost like our entire life's like okay when's the next trip how can we make it happen you know let's let's figure it out and and you know outside of that i mean it's it's nice to have friends all over the country so we have excuses like uh you know we talked earlier about the our friends in Colorado who used to live in Atlanta you know to be able to go down there and to go out there and and just kind of an excuse to get out of out of your hometown which I think I grew up not really ever leaving anywhere and I think most people never go beyond like 50 miles from where they are born so I think once we started traveling ourselves it opened up our minds and I know it's going to be the same for our kids where not only do you get to see that there's so much more opportunity and, and so much more beauty out there, but it's also like a really good perspective uh, to gain of as Americans, it doesn't matter how much you're struggling now, there's a good chance you're still richer than 80% of the world. Yes. Like it's, it's just mind boggling if you dig into those numbers, how fortunate we are. And even even the ones here who are, don't have the best, it's still, um, it's still a gift,
0: it's so true. Sure. Perspective And perspective really does make a massive difference in the process of a, of a kid growing up. I mean, I, there, there was a lot of perspective that I didn't gain until even I was, you know, 30, 31, 32,
2: mm-hmm. or even
0: a bit older. And um, I, I'm trying to to share as much of that perspective that I didn't gain until that age with my kids now. So that by the time they leave um, the house at 18, 20, 22, 24, Um, that they are steps ahead of me, even way ahead of me when I was Mm -hmm. at that age. Because then, to your earlier point, they'll be able to lend a lot more to the world. And I think life will ultimately be a lot less (laughs) stressful and more enjoyable for them, too. So, yeah, travel travel is huge. I grew up in in, um, Japan, actually. So being in a different country also lent a different perspective. And I'm hoping to bring some of that to them. We actually, um, this is something I've mentioned before in the podcast, but instead of doing a bunch of Christmas gifts every year, I give them a big trip. And so we go on a trip together and we've done a variety of locations. We actually just, just recently, I I booked our trip to, we're going to go out to Washington state and spend some time in Seattle and that area. And then we're going to do New York city. My, my son's been there before my, my daughter hasn't. So we're gonna actually knock those out in quick succession. I'm taking my son. Uh, I ride motorcycles and I bought him a motorcycle as well. We were kind of into that scene together a bit. So I'm going to (laughs) take him to Austin uh, later this year and we're going to go watch the MotoGP races there. These kinds of things, just, even if they're short trips, Trips, it's opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yes, to gain perspective, also to have time together, mm-hmm. and um, I think those are wonderful memories to be able to look back on. I, I got to travel a lot growing up, and I love being able to think back to those things. I think it's it's great for the kids. That's
2: yes, awesome. I agree. That's so,
0: awesome. So, how do you when when you're talking about taking these trips? I mean, it's it, yeah, it's it can be potentially stressful to consider one trip, much less multiple trips in a year. Trying to create the space in your business, have the finances available. How do you guys create? that free time so that you can take those trips? Are there particular-
2: we're kind, of, oh, we're kind of a little spontaneous when it comes to like our trips.
1: For the most part. For
2: the most part. yeah. I mean, usually we know kind of our schedule almost a year out. And so if we see like there's, you know, two or three consecutive weekends that we have off, then we might block that off and just be like, okay, this is going to be, especially like in the summertime, like this is going to be a travel time for us. And then if we don't, No, our schedule a year in advance we usually book something like we see we have a free weekend coming up i don't know like a month from now you might be like you know let's just go do a long week somewhere a long weekend somewhere and we'll just do it
1: yeah you usually we find that there's at least a solid two or three weeks every year that we can do a a larger trip and then we just fill in the other gaps with stuff local in, in the u.s so it's yeah. I mean, we're fortunate in this industry to to be able to have our schedule set a year in advance to really, you know, take advantage of that. That's yeah.
0: so true. That's so true. Well, and, and this has also been a theme as of late, and I think it's, a again, a great example for our listeners, just that simple notion of proactivity and planning ahead. Um, if you don't plan ahead, if you don't schedule ahead, um, it, it's likely that you're not going to do it, but then also, you know, within your week to week or week, week to week or month to month schedule, also just taking advantage of, of, of little pockets of time to go do something last minute, I think is so much fun. I, I tend to be that kind of last minute traveler myself. Uh, there's something kind of fun about about the you know almost the adventure of kind of figuring it out as you go and um, just yeah. making it happen. I think that's a lot of fun, but planning ahead as well is, is so important, and and that's great. Uh, I, I think that theme has just been a wonderful one for for our listeners. At the end of the day, being a business owner is busy. Totally get mm-hmm. that, but as long as you make it a priority and you schedule some time in there um, to, to spend, I mean, whether it's taking time away for yourself. Uh, or s- spending time with family, with friends, um, it'll happen. You just got to prioritize it. And you guys certainly are a great example of that. Uh, in fact, let me just go yeah. ahead. We normally do this at the end, but I, I want to go ahead and throw out your Instagram accounts because um uh, really, really beautiful. And I noticed there were pictures, for example, of, of your trip to Yosemite. Uh, oh, that, yeah. was, that wasn't too long ago, was it?
2: No, that was in August. Yeah, August.
0: Okay, cool. So yeah, if you guys are just jump on Instagram, and Michael's Instagram is M as in Michael, uh, M two underscore and then Michael, and then Melissa's is M two underscore Melissa M E L I S S A. You guys check them out on on uh, Instagram. Now I, I know that we kind of do things a little bit differently here on the Book of Podcast. We we talked much about your personal life. We haven't touched on your businesses yet. I mm-hmm. want to talk first about your photography business. How long have you been uh, a photographer or photographers?
1: We've been doing it for nine years. Okay. Uh, full time. I guess you'd say. Yeah.
0: And how did you get started in the first place? Was photography kind of always a dream? Was it something that just kind of happened? What What did that look like?
1: So just like most things uh, in our life, it was Melissa who came up with the idea, because I, I have an education in photography, which um, doesn't matter, FYI, to anyone. Um, so I, I had that education, and, and I just love photography and, and making pictures. And I, I bowed in college as a an artist probably usually would, I will never make money off of my work cause I'll lose my passion and this and that and whatever. And obviously there's fear in that too. But you know, we, we were in a position where I, cause I, I had only done sales my whole life and I was kind of more or less brought up to idolize money and think that that was the most important thing. So I was kind of prepared mentally to work jobs. I hated my whole life as long as I could make as much money as possible. So we had newborn twins. We just got burned pretty bad from a startup that we were a part of um, that wiped all of our savings. We were behind on all our bills about to be evicted from our apartment. They were going to take our car. And Melissa's like, like you love photography. I like photography. Let's just try it. Let's just do it. So, you know, we, we had an opportunity to photograph a friend's wedding. Uh, It was for free and we were like no promises. And uh, they said, okay. So we, we went and, We had one camera, one lens, and then we borrowed a camera and a lens and shot this whole wedding. And while the pictures weren't anything to look at, the experience was awesome because we it's the first time we ever worked together in any way like that. And it was just super easy to be together and just supporting each other through the process and communicating really well. And just on the whole drive home after the wedding, we were just like, this is so fun. Let's do it again. And, and then we just kept doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it just snowballed.
2: Yeah. And at the time too, like when we started, it was like that big transition between film and digital. So like we would reach out to, other photographers in our area just trying to like meet up with them and chat with them and i feel like community has really changed a lot especially in our market now we have a really great photography community here but back then like nine years ago it wasn't that open um everyone was kind of well not everyone most people were still very guarded right right and so we really it was a huge trial and error for us we just Try things out because we didn't know, like, if this was like standard in photography business or whatever. And We just kind of just went forth in like what we felt we wanted to do, and we always put like so much passion behind the experience that we give to our couples, um, and that from day one has always just been our focus. Um, and I feel like now I will say that that was probably the best thing that we ever did, was just always just putting that time into the experience for our couples
0: and that's that's yet again a, a great segue into my next question which has to do with the idea of brand position or what sets your brand apart from those in your market would you say that's the thing how do you actually differentiate yourself from the other photographers and you guys are shooting weddings primarily is that right
1: yeah we'll we'll shoot weddings primarily but then occasionally we'll do like a a, a new board shoot we're actually doing uh, this one day for like a lifestyle shoot yeah like a lifestyle shoot for a couple that we became really close with over the years, you know, but yeah, mainly it's just, that's what we enjoy the most. So that's what we prefer to do. But I would say, honestly, like, what separates us is just that it's us. Like, it's not about, you know, us trying to portray anything else besides like, hey, we're just going to be open and vulnerable and we're not perfect, but we love what we do. And we just want to tell your story and make it really easy for you to work with us. And I think that's the thing that I think right away, because once people meet with us, then like, I think our closing ratio is like 99% if we wow. do a meeting because we, it's only at that point, it's budget. That's ever the issue. That's so,
0: amazing though. That's like, I will,
2: I will say that like, we probably talk about 90% personal stuff in our meetings and 10% actual photography and wedding day stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. We really like, I don't know. I feel like we, we just really like people and meeting new people. And I would say even now, like, we talked to some of our brides and bride and grooms that we've worked with on year one. Um, we still have contact with them and some of our very best friends are past couples. Yeah. Um, so That's I feel really like great. we're at that point now where it's like, we're attracting like-minded individuals and couples and
1: yeah. And, and, and just inspiring couples. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I love being around people who inspire me and, you know, and I think it becomes a mutual thing where we're cause like we like surround ourselves with people who are are really doing things and at least living the way they wanna live and trying and pursuing something versus you know that the idle living, which is I think how most people yeah, you know, at least at some point in their life that's where they're at and they're just kind of sitting idle and letting life happen to them sure. versus like like I'm gonna do everything I can and it's it, it's just gonna obviously make a huge difference, not only in my life and my family's life, but then also it's going to affect other people around us, which is exciting to us too.
0: Oh, this is so good. I'm, I'm really sensing like there's two or three or four different podcast episodes we could do on the various topics we've already touched on. <laughs> this is really, really great stuff. But we'll, we'll kind of keep moving through for now. What What is your, um, and this is really kind of on the nerdy side, but... It, you're, you're a photographer. So what is a, a piece of favorite camera gear, camera body lens, a camera bag, maybe some other accessory? Like what? what's a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag?
2: I just recently purchased the D850 and I love that camera.
0: You know, and I actually just heard that or read that, that um, the D850 or because of the D850 that Nikon actually outsold Canon in December, which is a really incredible statistic to hear.
2: I can believe it. Yeah. I mean, it took me like four months to get the camera. It's now on back order forever, but still worth the wait. Such a great camera. I love it.
0: What do you like about it?
2: I feel confident shooting at 12,800 ISO and not like second thinking it. Like I just do it and the files are still really amazing.
1: Yeah. And the the focus system is a a big improvement on the 750s, which is what I still shoot with.
2: And... And I'll just – my favorite feature ever is that the quality button is on the complete opposite side of the ISO button. Oh. Right? Which,
1: so, yeah, the, the placement of the, the ISO and the quality button were next to each other on the back of
0: yeah.
1: a lot of icons where We would randomly, because we're not thinking when we're moving our fingers on the camera, we would change the quality. from Oh, the
0: wrong no. Yeah.
1: So it removed it from the back, which – just something
2: nice to not
0: worry about yeah for me i'm just like oh this is amazing so, yeah. so little I, so shot, little. I shot nikon for over a decade and, and i love the ergonomics but yeah the placement of those two buttons together not the best idea so that's that's good that they've made that switch so yeah. this is your photography business and again we, we probably could create multiple episodes just about that but you've got a couple of other ventures as well you've got a photo booth company which we're going to dive into in a little bit more detail and you also have a nonprofit. can you share just briefly about each of those
1: Sure, I'll talk about the nonprofit first. I see it was probably five years ago or so that we started this. But essentially, I I had an idea for you know this nonprofit that would kind of fix a few things that I wasn't super happy about when it came to nonprofits, and and part of that also stemmed because when we had very little and we struggled, you know, week to week, if if there was a big disaster, we wanted to give money. You know, maybe we could afford ten bucks or fifteen bucks to right. help with something, but I, it, I never felt like it was making an impact, and you know, you see everyone else giving a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, thousand dollars, whatever, and I'm just like, uh, here. So, just kind of like, I just that whole like, I never felt like I was making an impact. So, that was really where the idea came from. And and our nonprofit is called Gather, as in together. Um, and we basically are just a group of individuals and, and businesses who give monthly, and. Each month we'll pull all of our donations and then we just do projects to help other people in any way that we can, which, which made it hard to become a nonprofit because we're not specializing in trying to, you know, like solve the hunger issue or, or clean water or whatever. It was just like, Hey, let's just do a it,
2: specializing in humanity. Isn't like,
1: yeah, you know, <laughs> who would have thought? you know, cause, cause I mean, even getting it off the ground, it took me a year of, of research and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and then. Uh, I had nonprofit lawyers that we worked with and they all basically laughed at me and said, it's not like it's going to work. And I actually ended up forming gather as a LLC, as a for-profit company just to get it going. So the first year we just obviously gave everything away and, and, you know, did our projects that way, but then finally got the nonprofit status and, you know, but so the the way that it's set up is, and, and this is the other idea of gather is that, you know, giving and making a difference should be accessible to everyone. So our main membership is a dollar a month.
0: Wow, that's <laughs> so, so cool!
1: It's something that 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 our kids have you know been part of and contributed to since day one themselves, which which is great because it's not like we don't have million dollar donors or anything. Like we're all giving a little bit of money and we're all doing it together, you know. So we, we have that component, and then we also rely on our members to help us find projects. Um, so it's not us saying and the board being like, "Okay, this is what we're doing this month." It's like hey, everybody, like, at any point, if you have a neighbor or a friend or there's an organization you're passionate about, like connect with us. Let, let's see if we can make something work. Um, so that's how we find a lot of our projects, which I really love.
0: That's beautiful. There's a really personal element to that, too, that makes it, I don't know, it, 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 you feel more attached to it, I guess. You know, It's one thing to give, as you say, a lump sum to an organization, and that, that money's going to go out. You don't know exactly what's going to happen to it. You're trusting that something good is going to happen. But these types of projects that are, are much more personal in nature. I really love that. It's a beautiful model. We're going to make sure to link to this website too, as well as the other resources that we talk about, uh, in the show notes, but the website is G E T get, uh, G E T H and then double org. Is that correct? Yes. Gather. Okay, perfect. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Um, so that's the, that's a nonprofit. And then how about the photo booth company?
1: Sure. So four years ago, we started a photo booth company for two reasons. One, as we saw that there was a need for a company that has together, uh, which is literally our tagline.
0: I, I mean, like you got that <laughs> plastered on the homepage and th- this is about as bold as any company I've ever seen get. I, I love it. <laughs> but what what's behind that statement?
1: It's so, I, I mean, this is before we had any company. So we would be at weddings where they have photo booths and you know the the booth itself was in shambles, and you know it was more DIY and just crappy, and the presentation was bad, and the attendants wouldn't like communicate with any of the guests. The prints would be horrible. The lighting sucked. Like it was just all and and like we just have like this beautiful event, and 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 you know the the high end product we're we're providing to our clients, and then you just see this broken experience. So then I thought uh, we could probably do this, and, and then Melissa said, "Sure."
0: <laughs> you know, to, to try so
1: then you know she like she definitely uh controlled the the branding experience for for m2 our photography studio and that's obviously very much about us personally but then she let me kind of run rampant <laughs> with the photo with the company <laughs> and, and, and my thought was that you know it's going to be high end experience but it's just not like like we just want to have an edge and we like people yeah. love us from the beginning or they hate us and whenever visits with us and that's
2: okay
0: i love that polarization effect i think that's great did you come up with that tagline michael or was it you melissa <laughs> uh, it was
2: definitely michael okay uh, what did
0: you say when you like what did you say when you when he first shared oh, no, that I with you it. when i went
2: the original outline of the website there was definitely some things that i was like oh you should probably change this like i think you're being a little bit too
0: <laughs> a little <laughs> too edgy yeah. yeah
1: the other reason we actually started it is because we knew that it would be a, an opportunity for us as we grew that business to shoot less weddings yes. therefore give us more time with our kids which is what we care about most
0: that's huge. Well, and, and it is certainly much more scalable. It doesn't require your involvement. And for those of our listeners uh, that that are listening to this episode right now, we've talked about the, the book, The E-Myth, or The E-Myth Revisited uh, in the Past, but I'll, I'll certainly recommend it again, and we'll link to it in the show notes. It's a it's a great book that deals with this element of scalability in business, and it's an important thing to consider. You know, An, an individual photographer, a sole proprietorship, trying to sell their art, not necessarily always the most scalable business, but you do have to kind of think and plan for the long run. And uh, I love that you were taking that in consideration, in addition to, of course, figuring out a business model that would also give you a bit more freedom and flexibility for the sake of your kids. So uh, that's that's a really beautiful thing. And I'd like to dive into this topic of photo booths a little bit more. It's not something we've really talked about on the podcast yet. Um, and maybe let's just start with why does a photo booth even matter if a photographer is like you know what i'm my what is important to me is to sell my art i'm an artist i'm a one off and the last thing that i want is to incorporate some photo booth and, and make it some kind of game this is my art that i'm selling why why does a photo booth matter to a photography business
1: i mean for for us it's it's just a it's a natural segue as a business on its own but then it's i look at it as just a, it's another experience you're providing like if if you I've been to many weddings in the past, you know, a couple of years, there's almost a photo booth at every one. And when you're at one where there isn't one, it's like, oh, okay, that's, you know, because it's, it's, it's an excuse to be silly and to have fun and to yeah. make memories and to still have photos and bring home the strips or whatever, you know, so it's, it's something that's not going away. It's getting more popular or it's always been popular, I guess. And it's just... I think it makes perfect sense for what we do and it's fun and you get to have a photo booth at your house whenever you want. So that's a, that's a huge plus right there.
0: And it does, it does give photographers an opportunity to generate a little bit of passive income, right?
1: Yes. On the income part, but the passive part that, that takes a little while
0: because it's not,
1: and that's the biggest downfall. Usually I think I find with photo booth companies that are even run by individuals and that's their sole businesses. They're not actually treating it like a business and trying to grow it. And that's where, you know, the, the e-myth comes into play. That book is like, it doesn't matter who you are, even if you're not in business, read it. Cause it'll help you understand what a business actually is and how it works. And there's this, it just, yeah.
0: Well, I, I, I like that. I like that you're clarifying though. It does take some work up front. It's not like that's just going to be a, a business generating passive income off the bat. You actually have to take some time and effort and energy, throw that into it and develop a system that actually enables that. It's, it's not just a matter of uh, this kind of right. magic pill, if you will, for passive right. income. But, uh, that's, and that's really a great point. What are maybe a couple of ways, just based on your experience, having run this photo booth business, what are a couple of ways that you've seen photographers misuse photo booths? I like to look at kind of the negative side, at least to begin with, and we'll talk about ways that they can better use it.
1: Sure. I, I mean just kind of I think the idea that photographers don't usually treat that side of their business the same as their photography business. Interesting. You know, like it's it's almost like, hey, you have some extra cash. Let me just get a cheap booth and like I'll get my, my cousin to run it. And it's like, yeah, it's a small investment up front, but you're not you're not putting in the effort that you need to get it off front. Cause I think it's a lot harder. The there's more competition, at least in our market, for photo booths than there are wedding photographers and there's a lot of wedding
2: photographers. Mm-hmm. So there's only like 689 pages on Google.
0: Right. Oh, wow.
1: So 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 you know for for the photo booth it's like you know it's just it's a baby like you have to nourish it and it the only way it's going to do anything is if you put in that time and effort and you know you mentioned systems and all that we're still perfecting our systems four years in you know i think it was a couple years ago i learned the term i think it's pronounced kaizen which is like a japanese word for always improving where it's like you just kind of keep perfecting and, and simplifying and, and making it easier for you and your back end and for your attendance and for your designer and for your clients like it's it's an endless process but i think that's the difference between where we're at now and where a lot of people end up because we've we've bought photo booths from from photographers who couldn't make it work. They're like, just take this from me. And now we have those partnerships with them where they just hire us directly or they send their clients to us and we give them referral fees.
0: Wow, okay. So, and this is actually, I mean, it's not just applicable to the idea of running a photo booth, really to running a photo business in general. The reality at the end of the day, as much as we may have started the business for the sake of art, or uh, I've, I've said this multiple times now on the podcast before, but um, I, I sheepishly will admit that when I started my photography business, the, the most appealing thing about starting the business outside of kind of doing something different than I had originally planned or that maybe even my parents wanted me to, um, was the, the great camera gear. Like I was excited to go <laughs> to buy a fancy camera and that was that was motivation. That was my impetus. But at, at the end of the day, if, if we're going to actually do this and make a living at it, we have to truly treat it like a business and you know to your point earlier too it's it's not necessary to go get a degree but there are plenty of great books out there that the, the education mm-hmm. necessary to to run a good business is either free or relatively inexpensive and we have to make a concerted effort that, at that. Um, you know, we've talked about a number of books before in the podcast. The e is certainly a, a great start in, in that direction, but not treating a photo booth business like an actual business. This would be one of the ways that there is a bit of a shortcoming in those photo booth businesses. And that's, that's an interesting point in perspective. Would you, is there another kind of misstep that ph- photographers are taking with their photo booths?
1: Yeah, I would say it kind of goes hand in hand, which is just hiring and training good people, you know, like, like. Hi, finding good people is really hard. And then, you know, like we had horrible training in the beginning. And we're again, we're still perfecting it and working on it. But we've come such a long way and realized how important it is that people are prepared. Because if you've ever run a photo booth, because something can go wrong, it, it will go wrong. And, you know, to be able to have them calmly and effectively take care of the issue without anything crazy happening and, you know, just, again... To kind of handle that side of it but then the good people side of it it's like when they're out there like every one of our attendants at one of our events they're the face of the company they they're representing us and they're this is how we feed our kids yeah. so yeah. and i communicate that to to our attendants we have like eight of them right now and it's just like we're wow. just a family family business we just like we, we care about them, we pay them really well, highest in, in the area. And we give them bonuses every quarter. And like we, we do all these things to just make it really fun and easy and, and worth it for them. But be, they're they're everything to us because without them there is no business. So I think it's just investing in the people that you're hiring.
0: That's great. And you know, I I was thinking too as you were speaking there, what what's really ultimately what will help with both of these these elements that you mentioned, not maybe necessarily treating that photo booth business like a business. Um, And then, of course, a, a really important element, which is hiring the right people or, you know, the downfall, of course, being not hiring the right people. It helps to begin with to have, as we were talking about at the very beginning of our conversation, a really clear picture of what what the purpose of the business even is that will enable you to be able to come up with the model that will drive it. And then that will also help you be really clear about the kind of people that need to run it. And I think that's really important. Can you speak just very briefly to maybe the approach that you take to hiring the people for your photo booth business?
1: Sure. I mean, outside of just getting the, the resume, then we do a, a video chat. Um, and then if I feel good about that and they kind of check off all the requirements that I think they should have, and I just ultimately have a good feeling about it, then we'll will do i do a paid in-person training. And before they even get there. I actually send them a, tr- a training video. So they watch training video, then we do it in person. And then from that point, it, there's a definitive answer because they're still getting paid for that time. So I don't feel comfortable if they don't, there's still an opportunity to back out. Yeah. And then from that point, we do, we'll do at least one kind of tag along, I guess you could call it, where they'll go and they'll walk an event with an attendant. And then they can do as many of those as they need to get comfortable. Um, and then from there, we just kind of wean them into doing their own events.
0: That's really great. Well, this may play into my my next question, which is what is the process for those listening in who maybe have not gotten started with a photo booth yet? They're really curious about your brand. They'd love to know how to implement that in their business. Can you walk our listeners through just briefly how to at least begin going about the process of adding that side of their business uh, to their photo business?
1: Sure. I think... I think the first thing you need to do is have a goal with it because if it's like, oh, I just want my money, it's like, oh, how much and, and why? Yes. Um, it's hard to achieve a goal if you haven't set one. So, so true. I think it's it's kind of figuring that part out and then have, have a number goal I think is super important. So for us, our goal has been doubling our numbers every year. Wow. So we went from 14 events our first year, this past year we did 160 so we we've, we've been fortunate enough to be able to hit those numbers but it's because those are our goals and we work really hard to do it but once you have that idea then you start researching for a booth because there's probably 50 really great booths out there that you could find so find one that does what you want looks you know cool like the way you want it to it takes good fit photos at least and then buy it learn it study it try to try to use it so much that it starts failing and you can figure out how to fix it because uh, that's stuff that you're going to have to teach your attendants. And then from that point, assuming that the photographer is going to add it in with their photography company, then you just add in the information to your website and your, your packaging. And obviously that way your as leads are coming in and you have your existing client base, you send that information so they actually know that you have it. Because you can't sell something they don't know you have. Um, and then w- what I also would recommend is something I didn't do at the beginning was Start putting feelers out to get an attendant before you even even have a gig booked.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Because you know if, if it, second shooters, I think, are the best people to go to for this because they're they're hustlers. They work really hard, and you know they're looking to fill their calendars. So if you can get three to five that are like, yeah, like where do you have it going? Let me know. I'd love to do it. So then at least like you're like, okay, I have my first event next month. Then you reach out and you connect with them and find out who you have versus just freaking out because you're like, the hell am I going to do? Yeah. Because it's a good chance it's going to be the wedding you're photographing. So you can't actually go and do it yourself.
0: You, you mentioned updating their packaging to include the photo booth. Is there, is there something or maybe a, two or three different things that photographers should consider as they're incorporating that into their packaging and, and marketing, maybe kind of do's or don'ts that they should keep in mind as they go about that process?
1: I think, I, I think either of these approaches would work based off our experience. One is to, to make it cheap. You know, just like, oh, $100 in my pocket at the end of it, that's that's great yeah. because every time you're at an event, you're you're advertising to 100 to 200 people or whatever it is, right? So you just have to get it out there in action and let people see it and experience it because that's going to be the the biggest thing that's going to get you further business. And the other side of it is, you know, package it really nicely. Like get a beautiful booth, like put together a really nice you know, uh, packages, like wording, communication, super important, and go high-end with it. And then this, I mean, for us, we offer the best booth and the best experience available, so our prices reflect that, and we communicate that to our clients. And we are able to book at these higher rates because of that, you know? Because if you're like, oh, I have, you know, my booth's $250, and it's just kinda new, like that isn't gonna instill much confidence in people. But then there's again there's people who are like yeah sure oh you're starting out I love your photography I trust you I'll I'll go with you anyway and that's that's how we you know initially built that company and same thing we we started a video company last year and that's something that we're that we're fortunate enough to kind of take that similar approach where we have very competitive rates and we're already fully booked for 2018 for video, which is wow. you know, just kind of a testament to that idea.
0: <laughs> Yet again, another potential podcast episode. But uh, <laughs> no, I love it. Do you do you recommend that photographers keep the photo booth uh, with their existing photography brand or, or to treat it separately? What What are your thoughts on that?
1: If it's just them and they don't see it scaling really big to where they can hire someone, then I would say yes, keep it in in your brand and on your site or whatever because you know Melissa and I are fortunate because she runs the photography and video side, you know in our in our studio, whereas I run the photo booth you know during the week, and we have we have an office manager. She does a ton for both companies, but you know like I can dedicate a lot of my time to that business because it's a completely separate business. You know we do bookkeeping for each separately. everything's super different. So it's just a lot more work if you separate it.
0: Okay. Oh, that's good. That's a good recommendation. And again, we'll make sure to link to the website uh, along with all the other resources that we talked about in the show notes. I really can't thank you guys enough for making so much time for the Boca Podcast listeners. And I'm going to make sure that they can find your, at least your personal website or your business website rather, and um, and your Instagram. We'll reiterate that again. Where, where can they find you online?
1: Sure. And for Instagram, I would say you could go right to our business Instagram for okay, cool. our photography, which is uh, the real M two, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not
2: the realm.
1: Two. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people will say, "What's what's the realm two mean?" No, it's like, it's, it. it's the real, which which came about because there's probably a hundred different M two photographies out there. So you, you could you could check us out on there or just M two photoco You know, and obviously you can just contact us through there. We could discuss and help and converse about any of the things we've covered.
0: That's perfect. Thank you, guys. Truly, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your example, too, and, and the way that you prioritize your family. And uh, we'll make sure to, to push this out soon. Thanks for listening in, everyone. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the of Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics. And guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit PhotographersEdit.com.